Look up idiots in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No! The definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to I Do Movies Badly, a podcast exploration of my cinematic ignorance. I am your host, Jim Rohner, and despite being an amateur film critic since 2006, I am woefully ignorant of many films, filmmakers, and genres that consensus has deemed important, and thus I created this podcast to document my journey into cinematic edification. This month, I'm exploring highbrow horror films, as recommended by Benny Crown, and in this week's episode, I'll be talking about the 1977 Japanese horror comedy, House, and... Two things here at the top. Number one, (laughs) I did not really care for this movie. And number two, this may be kind of a frustrating episode, both for me as the reviewer and for you, the listener, for me, because I, I watched it this morning, I'm recording this episode at night, and I'm still trying to work not even work my way through what I think of it. I know what I think of it, but trying to work my way through why I think of it, because I have many, maybe not many, but a few contradictory impulses within me. And because of that, this may also be a frustrating episode for you, the listener, because I haven't arrived at a neat conclusion, and I may be... um, as I said, contradictory about my thoughts on this. I may not make sense. This may not be a satisfying episode for you. You may disagree with me. You may agree with me. You may disagree with me at some point and agree with me at another. But I'm, I am here <laughs> not so much to review House, but to try and work my way through it because it is such a strange entity that I'm not entirely sure how to engage with it. Now, I was thinking of um, what makes uh, a highbrow horror film highbrow. Benny and I obviously discussed this, but that is not the end of the conversation, certainly not the end of the exploration. So I was thinking more about it and how highbrow horror films can take a story or even archetypes that we are so used to when it comes to the things that we think of as horror films, um, such as the degradation of the body and the horror that comes with that, um, which we saw in The Killing of a Sacred Deer, or even certain folkloric um, archetypes and story tropes uh, that we see here in House. Uh, But then a a highbrow film or filmmaker may take those archetypes or their tropes that we're used to and not even subvert them, but approach them with a different attitude or with different objectives. So The Killing of a Sacred Deer did deal with, uh, at least ostensibly, um, the degradation of the body and physical suffering and ultimately death, which are part and parcel of horror films, but that was sort of just a, 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 not even a MacGuffin, but a way to get us into the emotional exploration of its characters and of uh, Lanthimos's cynicism towards 
humanity and attitudes and societal behavior. So the focus of it, the money shots, if you will, the the real moments that we're talking about when we talk about the killing of a sacred deer are not the horror elements or uh, or maybe specifically what we're, we're we're talking more about the emotional horror than we are talking about the visceral horror. It is transcending um, genre horror archetypes, which is something Benny was talking with me about in the introductory episode. Now, House has instead, at its core and its spine, a pretty standard horror story. It's basically one you've seen probably dozens of times. A bunch of young people uh, go to, are lured to, or choose to go, but end up at a um, house, a dwelling, some type of um, establishment that they are unfamiliar with, um, and find out that there is a deeper, spookier, more supernatural story than would appear on the surface, that there is a history with the house and or the, of the, or with the resident of the house, and that just happens to be something which deals with a tragic past, which then evokes or has evoked in the past these supernatural elements. And yet the way that the, um, director or the filmmaker applies or executes that basic story is anything other than basic. It transcends the tropes and the archetypes of that very fundamental, very standard horror story to engage with the genre in a different way. And in this way, it's comedic. And for some reason, this film just didn't connect with me. I wasn't entertained by the absurdity of the comedic elements. I was actually off-put by them. I wasn't um, intrigued by or, or I wasn't engaged by this um, avant-garde approach to telling a standard horror story. I was instead bored by it. I didn't find myself really interested in the story. I mean, once again, the story is a pretty standard, um, you know, tale, folklore, myth, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the execution, I didn't find engaging. I didn't find entertaining. I found off-putting and confusing in the sense of being unable to answer the questions of why is this the approach that the director uh, Nobuhiku Obayashi took and what was he trying to say? What statement was he trying to make? And that's not to say that I believe every film and every director intends to and or has to make a statement but this film is so far out in left field from mostly anything that I've seen that I my impulse is to believe that it's done with an intention that because this isn't a standard horror film that because the execution to a pretty 
by the numbers um, myth or tale is done so wildly, well, <laughs> wild that it, it, it has to be for a specific reason. And now in thinking about this episode and in trying to make sense with it, it might just be the reason that he chooses to to take this approach is because that's just the kind of filmmaker he is. I know that he was an avant-garde filmmaker. Um, and so maybe this is just the way that he approaches things. And yet, um, I'm the kind of person that is seeking for, um, you know, once you learn the rules and then you, you know, you break those rules, you do it because you are trying to subvert something or make a statement or that sort of a thing. So while I don't believe a film has to do that, I am, I spent the entire time looking for a reason as to why the film did that. You see what I mean when I say that I'm contradicting myself here? Um, by saying a film doesn't have to have this, but this film does it, so why? Explain to me why this film does this. And I'm kind of frustrated myself, and I'm kind of frustrated with this movie because I it, it raised in me more, not even that it raised in me more questions than answers, but the questions weren't so much brought about by the story the film was telling, but the approach that the director had. It was sort of outside the confines of the story um, that these questions came from. It was more of the approach. Why is this... Why is this the approach, and how do people find this so engaging? It's very strange to me, and I and and I, I know that you know talking to Benny, one of the things that he said, or, or one of the reasons that he recommended it to me, was this idea that is a very valid idea that highbrow tends to be, or the implication when we hear highbrow, what what comes to our mind when we think of highbrow or art house is very serious, very dramatic, maybe even very dour, and that something which is art house doesn't have to be that. That art house um, doesn't have to have dramatic or serious confines. That art house can be, that highbrow can be, that avant-garde can be humorous, comedic, absurdist. And that's that's cool, and that is valid, and yet that still doesn't help me engage with this movie anymore. I was probably about halfway through this movie, maybe an hour into this movie, when a thought occurred to me that I think I got it. Maybe the reason this film is so absurd, maybe the reason that Obayashi takes such a, an absurd approach to telling this story is because he is trying to comment on archetypes, on the horror film, uh, on the horror genre. Because I know that one of the reasons that, that uh, Toho um, produced or put money into this movie was because they wanted to sort of capitalize on the success of Jaws, which is very strange when you, see, when you hear that at first, because this movie has no parallels with or equivalency to Jaws in any way, shape, or form, except when you realize that they it wasn't that they wanted to mimic Jaws but seeing as how huge of an international success Jaws was the studio wanted to <coughs> be more open to um, western genres basically something which was going to be more popular um, and more lucrative for a studio than what had been 
you know, par for the course in the Japanese filmmaking scene of the time. Now, what I will say is that I did a little bit of research, but I am largely unfamiliar with Japanese cinema, um, in, in contemporary or in the past. I don't really know what was in vogue in Japan in 1977. I don't know what audiences were flocking to. I don't know what critics were responding to. I don't, I don't know the scene of Japanese cinema in the 1970s, so I feel like being lost or, or having that be lost on me also means that a lot of what Obayashi was doing here was lost on me as well, because since it is so, like I said, far out of left field, it felt like it was, it was a response to something but I don't know what it's responding to, so I don't have that appreciation of where this ultimately lands, you know? Um, you can look at the new Hollywood wave in the 1970s, and it's, you know, dark, dramatic content. It's, um, it's, it's focused on anti-heroes, and it's auteur-driven cinema as a response to the failing kind of cookie-cutter saccharine studio templates that were failing in the 1960s. You can understand why people were sort of willing to, all right, let's go in this direction because what's come before hasn't really worked. You can understand how the second independent wave in the late 80s and early 90s came as a response to Reagan's America and um, tentpole cinema becoming um, the dominant form of movie storytelling with, you know, your Rambos and your diehards and your action, uh, you know, your action films becoming the norm. When it comes to Japanese cinema in the 1970s, I have no real idea. And so my impulse is to say that this has to be a response to that, but I, I neither know what this is nor what that is. So I thought maybe Obayashi was just you know, kind of being ahead of his time, you know, because like I said, this is a pretty standard horror story and has a lot of tropes that we would become more familiar with just a few years later in American cinema. I mean, look at the popularization of the slasher film in the late 70s and the early and, you know, to mid 80s and, and how a lot of those archetypes can be seen in here, especially when it comes to the the victimization of um, young, attractive um, what one assumes are virginal women, uh, being dismembered in increasingly gruesome ways. Um, you know, it, it seemed like it, it was sort of a, a deconstruction or breaking down of that, which would be quite forward-thinking because this film was released even before um, Halloween in 1978, which started to kind of really popularize the slasher genre and the archetypes that would come from that. And then later, of course... Friday the 13th, and Nightmare on Elm Street, and, and so on and so forth. So this seems like, it, it, I was thinking like, oh, this is just a, a, a it's, it's fucking weird, and it's like Obayashi saw Douglas Sirk films and horror films and cartoons and then dropped a bunch of acid and made a movie, and I, I, I'm, I'm finding it hard to, you know, be engaged with this comedic movie, which is all punchline and no setup, or... or um, there wasn't so much a, a, a core to hang on to as much as just visual camera tricks every few minutes. I, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to be hanging on to, but maybe there was this core of an idea where Obayashi was, was 
really an an early deconstructionist, if you will. I mean, maybe maybe you know that he had been he had become so familiar with or 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 Toho or or, or Japanese filmmakers, auteur filmmakers had become already so kind of familiar and tired of 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 American film archetypes that this was him deconstructing that or criticizing them or um you know commenting on how absurd those things are now i can't say that i that that means i love the film i i still found it actually kind of exhausting of a movie where it's just it's absurdity after absurdity you know time and time again I, I think in my mind I was kind of comparing it to a Looney Tunes cartoon, but stretched out to about an hour and a half, and I loved Looney Tunes as a kid, and, I, and I've, I don't mean for this to sound pretentious, but it's going to come across this, as, it's going to come across that way anyway, is that if that's what Obayashi was trying to do, if he was trying to take horror archetype, archetypes and kind of turn them on their head for the purposes of, of amusement... I, I've seen Looney Tunes cartoons that do that effectively in, in far less time. And so I, I, I wasn't convinced that that was the bringing validity to this film, but at least it was something that I could engage with and that I was like, okay, I, 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 I don't love what you're doing with this, but I can see why you're doing that. And then I did a little bit of research and didn't find any basis to believe that that's why Obayashi was doing what he was doing and when it comes to a film that I'm confused by or that I don't know how to respond to what I often do are seek out the reviews of much smarter people than myself and when it comes to a film that's in the Criterion collection a lot of times it starts with the Criterion essay and a lot of times those essays are incredibly illuminating and edifying and the one written um, about House is neither edifying nor illuminating <laughs> for me. It, it, it's the worst kind of review in my mind in the sense of it just kind of rehashes the the plot of the film with a few more adjectives thrown in. Um, so kind of an enthusiastic recap of what the film does. I, I didn't there, there's not much in there for me that kind of helps me make sense of of, of the whys. <laughs> The why this film is so far out there. And for some people out there, you don't need the why. And you're just thinking, it's absurd. And that's enough for me. And that's cool. I totally understand that. Because also in my own movie collection, in my own past, I have examples of those films where the fact that it just goes out in left field is enough for me. On my DVD rack currently is Alain Rene's Last Year at Marion Bad, which, unless memory is deceiving me, makes no sense narratively on purpose. Not because Rene was making a, you know, a larger comment about society or filmmaking, he just wanted to make a movie that was kind of insane to disrupt and put off the audience. Now, it helps that it has some truly fantastic cinematography and imagery in it, but I appreciate the fact that this guy who was part of this French New Wave movement in which a bunch of filmmakers were making movies to um, deconstruct and respond to 
um, standard studio filmmaking that had come before them while being inspired by, um, you know, Hollywood studios before them. So kind of like standing on the shoulders of giants and then deconstructing those, those shoulders. Um, I could appreciate that Renee then made a film where he's like, okay, this is what you guys are doing. I'm going to take it to the extreme. I'm going to go way far out there. If you are not concerned with audience response, if you are concerned with telling personal stories that um, with no with, with no regard to making money and with uh, an eye towards uh, breaking cinema conventions and conventions of narrative storytelling, then I am going to take that to the extreme. And I love that. So in my own past, I have shown that I that I can find titles that where I appreciate where it's like, oh, you're going balls to the wall, and that's fine. I I I can get on board with that. And yet for some reason, House just I didn't. I, as I said, I found it boring. I found it exhausting. I found it kind of one note. Let's just be as absurd and as crazy as we can be in every single instance. And reading the Criterion essay, which I will include in the show notes, and which I will, of course, link to on the Facebook page, as I said, didn't really help me appreciate or understand this movie anymore. It just kind of, it seems like it's one of those things where it's like, you're either, you get it or you don't. You're into it or you're not. And in fact, I think actually reading this made me like the film even less or at least um uh not have a whole lot of respect for this uh essayist interpretation of it and i'll just read a portion of it and and you know perhaps it's unfair taking the entire essay or taking this piece out of out of context with the entire essay but he's writing about some of the reasons that audiences responded to this movie when it came out and this is the thing that really kind of put me off um the obvious glee obayashi takes in pushing the rory con lolita complex richness of his subjects a bevy of tender beauties most of whom appear in increasing stages of undress as the film progresses as he torments and terrorizes them and and that's a, a sentence fragment but he's basically this is he lists two reasons why um it seemed like audiences responded so well and this was the second one not since the work of outsider artist henry Dr- Henry Darger, 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 I'm not sure who that is, who ransacked children's books to create epic collage tapestries depicting armies of off-naked girl warriors in battle, have so many magnificently demented possibilities for simultaneously empowering, imperiling, and eroticizing pubescent young women been gathered so dazzlingly together in one place, and never at such a speed demon pace. Cool, so I'm supposed to respond to this film because of how demented positions or how demented uh, the positions are that this guy put young women in stages of various undress in in the fact that this guy thought of crazy scenarios to uh, objectify these young women is that what I'm supposed to be responding to because I'm sorry that doesn't really do it for me um and it doesn't help that, of course, this is also a film that a lot of the ideas for it uh, came from um, his uh, preteen daughter and just kind of weird fears that she had. Cool. Okay, so I'm also supposed to respond, be, be responding 
enthusiastically to a movie in which many of the ideas came from what a twelve-year-old child. I've, I I I'm not sure what what's supposed to excite me about that. I'm not sure what's the, what's that's supposed to stir in me. I'm not sure why that's entertaining. I mean, maybe in like a, an extreme kind of fuck you um, attitude. But it doesn't seem like Obayashi has that fuck you attitude. It doesn't seem like, based on what I've read, that this is supposed to be a response to something that came before it cinematically or culturally or whatever. So I'm not sure what I'm hanging on to on this, in this film. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be grasping onto what I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what's, what's supposed to be engaging me about this. Now I'll admit that technically it's, it's, it's a pretty wonderful piece of art because of how Obayashi was using video techniques in 1977 that wouldn't be popularized for a long time. Um, and how there are so many effects in this, um, that it kind of becomes like a, a, a technician's wet dream. But I, I, I don't know, what am I supposed to be really loving about this i'm i'm kind of confused um and it, you know it, it might just be one of those things where like i said you get it or you don't and that's that's it um but i mean I, it, this seems like a movie that i should really enjoy a movie which is comedic a movie which attempts to or, or seems to attempt to kind of some subvert some horror or archetypes. I keep wanting to say horror archetypes. And uh, I don't know why. Because it's never been a problem before. But, uh, I, I mean, it's it's a film with real... You know what? I was going to say ambition. But I, I don't know if I... I don't know if I if it's even right to call this film ambitious. Because I could also see a lazy filmmaker making this movie. I, I, I don't know. This is a very strange movie, and I, I came into this not even really knowing ultimately where I landed on it, what I was going to say about it, but I'm just kind of thinking or, or talking through my thoughts at this point. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a very strange movie, and there are some people out there, I know, and this is entirely valid, that are like, this is strange, and that's why... I'm engaged with it. This is very strange, and that's why I love it. And me, I'm sitting here, and I'm watching this movie, and I'm just, my response is, this is very strange, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to feel about it. And, I mean, this This is once, this is me. It's This is me, this is my voice, this is my podcast, this is um, where I ultimately land on it because I don't know where I ultimately land on it so as I said contradicting myself frustrating not really coming to any any conclusions um just a very weird movie that uh if it's if it's weird for the sake of being weird that is fine and that's valid it's not the kind of movie that I really find a lot of engagement with or worth in watching and rewatching. Of course, as I said, the uh, that Criterion article or essay is, is linked in the show notes if you want to check it out and read it for yourself. I will also include it on the Facebook page. But this is one 
I am really, really curious as to what people got out of it, why people love this movie so much, why this was had such a reputation well before, long before it even came into the Criterion Collection. And if you are one of those people who are willing to share your thoughts, I do want to hear them. Email me at youdomoviesbadly at gmail.com. Tweet at me at Nolan Fixes Teeth or chime in on the comments field for this episode on BattleshipRetention.com. Find any movies badly uh, in the podcast drop down menu. Catch up on back episodes on idmoviesbadly.podbean.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and uh, anywhere you, you get your podcast, basically. Oh, and availability I forgot about. Um, it is available f- <laughs> for free to stream on HBO Max. Or uh, if you have the um, the uh, Criterion channel, um, otherwise you can also rent or purchase on Amazon Vudu or um, Apple TV. So um, yeah, that is it for um, Nobuhiko Obayashi's house. Like I said, not really sure where I land on this. Not really sure about much when it comes to this movie, but. Um, it is, of course, um, right before Thanksgiving, so I do want to say um, thank you all. I am very thankful to everyone who has listened to th- this episode, to the episodes this year. Maybe you're even one of those weirdos that stuck with me from the very beginning. Either way, I am thankful to you, my listeners, for sticking with me through this um, oft um, <clears throat> incoherent ramblings, um, trying to work out my thoughts as they occur to me. Um I hope everyone has a very happy, very safe, and very healthy Thanksgiving. I know it's a bummer that we should not be traveling to see people. This is uh, going to be the first, uh, I mean, maybe not the first Thanksgiving for me because I've done the Friendsgivings in the past, but the first one where if I wanted to see my parents, it is just not going to be possible. I mean, yes, it's going to be possible. It would be very stupid. Um, This is a pandemic. Be smart. Wear a mask if you're staying at home. I hope you're staying at home. Wear a mask. Um, and let's uh, let's get through this thing uh, because there are many reasons, many things that we are thankful for, that I am thankful for, and I would like to get back to them as soon as possible. I would like to be present with them. I would like to take joy in those things again, and we're only going to be do it when it's uh, safe to travel to spend time and to um, engage with those things that we really love. So be happy, be safe, have a very happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Be sure to tune in next week where I will be wrapping up highbrow horror films with Possession and where hopefully I will be just a little bit less ignorant. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.